Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The genesis of bitch get fit. It's alive. Heart is beating. Pushing forward. Three little words have sparked so many emotions that have ranged from outrage and concern to excitement and It's owed to the trailblazers, the believers, the doers. From it's old English, English hold on to your own. Through middling, say it, a thousand right year old thing. meaning, word, the female of the dog, or some other carnivorous man confident in what it is through middling you, or a moral woman program, meaning, because behind every great man, or overbearing woman, the great woman, P.S. Allude. Boys, we're immoral. You're welcome too back here. So you'll be an Austrian nobleman commissioning a symphony in C, which defies all earthly descriptions. You'll be commissioning a symphony in C with money you squeeze from the peasants. Okay. Hello and welcome to Dearly Debated, the show where you're entitled to your opinion, even if it's wrong. Uh, you're hopefully hearing this in the month of May, because um, it means uh, it means that uh, I got off my ass and edited the this podcast, in addition to the three ones that have to go out before this. Um, uh, so I, I do intend to jump on that and actually do it. Um, but yeah, we've been on hiatus mostly because of scheduling issues, mm-hmm. um, but hopefully we'll be a little bit more regular in the summer. Um, also, uh, our, our moderator, Jason Daniel, has had like 9 million dogs he has had to deal with. Yes. So he's just been MIA. He's given birth to 9 million dogs. <laughs> he's given birth to 9 million dogs, <laughs> and as you might expect, it was a little traumatic, so he's needed time to uh, recoup. It's a lot uh, of dogs. It's a lot it really of dogs. Is. It's so many dogs. Yeah, not to um, mention working full-time and going yeah, to working full-time school. and attending school, so he's got a lot on his plate. Um, so he's not joining us today, but hopefully we have. I, I, we, we, we really have. We have a very special episode planned. We can't do it until we can get all of us together for an extended period of time. In uh, well, hopefully, ideally, it will be two weeks' time when I don't have class. Like two in two Fridays from now, if we record, and I don't have class. That would be ideal. But given our track record, sometime next year you're going to hear a really <laughs> special episode. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Ashley. Oh wait, we need to introduce. Yeah, ourselves. let's introduce mm-hmm. ourselves. Who are we? Who am I? Who am I? I am Nathaniel Two Strings Levinson. I am Ashley Live Long and Prosper Thomas. And I am Greg. Until next time, friends. <laughs> it was heartfelt. It was heartfelt right there. Uh, so, Ashley, why don't you tell us uh, what we're doing this podcast? This is, uh, this is kind of your brainchild. Okay. All right. So, um, something that I really enjoy... Uh, when I listen to podcasts, I really like to hear what other people are into. So we've done some geeking out uh, episodes, but those can be like a little daunting or whatever. So I came up with the uh, the ideas like, hey guys, how about this? 
why don't we pitch to our listeners? Here's one thing I really like, be it a book, a TV show, a movie, a comic, or podcast, or whatever. And so we are going to give you maybe three to five recos each. So we're going to call this the first ever Dearly Debated RecoCast. Hooray! And I, I, I kind of cheated on the movie of the show because I picked one live action and one animated I, one. I, I think that <laughs> is acceptable. <laughs> yep. I actually have two things for all of these. No, I, I but, you uh, know, again... Uh, uh, the, the the goal is to get um, yeah. as, and, as specific and, as and, possible so I, and, and I, just to, I, and I tried to pick yeah. stuff that was a little more obscure stuff that people might not have heard of right so I'm like you, ooh you know here's something that I've only ever that I've never heard anyone talking about right so maybe check it out well, you know to, to some extent to some extent mm-hmm. um, why don't I start I'm, I'm going to start off with the game far away, uh, far away. And, and, and I'm going to pull Greg into this um Greg and I have been playing a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh. That's literally what I wrote down. Okay, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hold on that. I'm going to pause on that. Okay. So Greg's going to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, no, I mean, you can. I, 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 say, I, I think, I think it's I... fair for both of you to talk about Yu-Gi-Oh because you will possibly oh, yeah. come at it from different perspectives. True, so. true, but I'll let, I'll let okay. Greg leave that one and then yeah. uh, I'll I mean, jump in. So yeah. I'll leave you because I have another game. Okay. Um, this is a game, uh, relatively new board game. It was kickstarted um, and it's been it's gotten a bunch of expansions, uh, but Root. Mm. Um, Root, it's this it's a great board game. It's very similar to um, to like Settlers of Catan, Catan yeah. where you're, you're trying to accrue victory points, and um, but what, and, and you know you, you deal with resources and, and, and everyone. Well, what's really interesting about the game is it's it's completely asymmetrical. So every character goes through. You have the three same phases of the game. There's like you on your turn you go through three phases, but every single character you can pick, like every every single clan or or whatever you can you can play as plays differently and operates by different rules like everyone's trying to win the same way by accruing victory points but everyone accrues victory points in a different way so for instance you can be uh the cat clan who start with control of basically the entire woodland and their goal is to build up and maintain dominance then you have the birds who are the enemies of the cats and they start in one corner and they have to expand and they, they it's really easy at first but every time you take your turn you have to basically create a marching order where you have to do these things and you add more and more things to eventually you can't do it and then you like it, everything collapses and you lose points and so it, it, you have to like figure out the balance between pushing really hard and not going into into collapse because that's damaging to you and trying to rebuild and then there's the uh the raccoon who plays completely differently from everything else where it's like he's it's just him by himself no army and he just kind of slips in and out of woods and does quests and like plays music for people and does his own thing um it's a really great game they've come up with a bunch of expansions and and they keep coming out with new characters or new clans i should say new 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 factions that's what they're called they're called factions they come up keep coming out with new factions that all play differently they came out with like the sea otters who they they do some trading things and they're kind of doing their own thing and then the cultists who operate by like turning other people's pieces onto their side Mm. and uh it's really fun and what's what's great about it is once you've learned how to play as one faction and you try to play as another faction, if the game completely changes. And what other factions are you playing with changes how you play the game. So it's it's got tons and tons of replayability. The games are relatively short. It's pretty easy because you only have to worry about what your faction does to some extent. Um, you don't have to learn all the other factions before you, you can start playing the game. You just pick one, and there's varying difficulty of how to play them. But you can just pick one and go. They also have a mobile game, uh, mobile version. You get it's like five bucks, uh, five or ten bucks. 
Um, so you can you can do it on mobile as well if you want to. Um, but it's just really it's just a really really fun, very replayable game. Um, that's one of the best. Uh, it's one of the best board games I've played in the last five years. Mm. It's just super well designed, absolutely adorable art. Like the art's fantastic. Super easy to figure out. It's 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 one it's, it's that perfect game where it's easy to learn and difficult to master. So it's that it's that sweet space where you can sit down and start playing it and understand what you're doing. But you can play it forever and ever and just get better and better at different factions. And then when you get bored with that faction, play a different one. And it's a completely different experience. So that's my recommendation is Root. Great game. Great game. Root. Got it. I am Root. <laughs> I am. You are Root, I guess. Yeah. Indeed. All right. So, uh, you want to talk about this one, Greg? <laughs> so, yeah, we have that uh, cat's out of the bag on that one. <laughs> it's already been spoiled, maybe. Depending on how Nathaniel edited this, this has already been spoiled, or maybe not. Um, <laughs> yeah, as far as games go, I've been playing... Me and Nathaniel both have been revisiting our love, our childhood love of Yu-Gi-Oh! And I, I don't know if you've been doing this, but I've been playing on Dueling Book. So, just just to keep, just to kind of plug this game, Yu-Gi-Oh! So, Yu-Gi-Oh! is an old card game. Everybody knows, it's probably knows... 2003, I think, is when it first came out. People probably know to that extent. Uh, Earlier than that, that, because I was, I graduated high school in 2003, so... So, the the anime was early 2000s, and I think the first card game set came out in early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, I say, because I played in high school in 2001, 2002, so... Yeah, so you probably know to the extent that this is a card game. Uh, the way that the card game functions is that each person holds a certain amount of life points, and the cards you play are designed to try to get to the other person's life points and destroy them and bring them down to zero. If you bring them down to zero, the game is over. There are tons, at this point, I mean, I don't know how many cards. I mean, how many, how many different cards? Uh, it's over 10,000 yeah, individual it, cards. So basically, the whole like part of the strategy, I mean, the main source of the strategy is constructing the deck you want. It's not yeah. just you're going to buy a bunch of cards and just pile them all up, like all the cards you own. You, you get a ton of cards, and from those cards, you try to construct a deck that'll work with itself to try to defeat their life points. So the overall, like when you stand back and look at that, at least for somebody like me who's very strategic and tactical, that's so it's so interesting. I'm like, oh, this is awesome because it makes me feel like I could find something unique that nobody else has found. Mm-hmm. Now, nowadays, like with the internet and things like that, like that's not, it's kind of. And I've talked to you about this a little bit. It's defeated games in a little in a few ways to mm-hmm. where I think it makes it a little less interesting to look at that. At least for somebody like me, because mm-hmm. I look at it and I'm like, oh man, I have that thought. I could be really unique in this. Mm-hmm. And in reality, you go online and they're like, there are top three decks you can play with. All the other ones are invalid. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. if you play with yeah. anything yeah. other than these yeah. three decks that we've created in, with a supercomputer, like you're just going to lose instantly. <laughs> and you're like, oh, but that's no fun. And so everybody yeah. uses those yeah. decks. They're like, yeah. oh, you're not using one of these decks and- that specializes these kind of cards. And it's like, well. What's the point of all the other thousands and, of cards? And that's what I've been enjoying about it is, you know, because you can go and buy singles of everything and construct exactly the deck you right. want. Or yeah. you can do what I do, where you just get a bunch of random-ass cards and they <laughs> say, okay, what can I make with this? Oh, I have this card and this card and that That's To me, that's where the fun right. of Yu-Gi-Oh! is. And I, I know there are people who love competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, but, but, and, and I was telling Greg about this. There's actually, there's a guy named Jeff Leonard, and his son plays competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! So he was like, well, I'll play competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! And he plays this, like, basically what you might consider a no-fun deck where the whole goal is to just prevent the enemy from, from, from getting to play any cards and making them rage quit the game. <laughs> and he's won. He played a tournament recently, and he went 11-0. Oh and it's like wow. some dude's, like, 51-year-old, some dude's dad, and, and people love him because they're like, 
it's this 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 dad who's just like, hey, my son loves Yu-Gi-Oh. Let me do Yu-Gi-Oh. Hey, this is pretty fun, and I'm doing pretty good. Oh, it's, it's adorable. That's so wholesome. It's a, yeah, it's so wholesome. It's so adorable. <laughs> you see, and so like, I think I, I when I think about Yu-Gi-Oh, and I get excited about it. It's it's the look back to how did we interact with this game as a child yeah. as a child yeah. you couldn't just go out and buy well, at least I wasn't the kind of kid who could just buy any single he wanted I was you know I bought packs of cards until I had enough yeah. to make a deck and then keep buying packs of cards and then taking out the, the really bad ones from your deck and replacing them with the better cards you get mm-hmm. and slowly you've created this deck and all of your friends are kind of in the same situation mm-hmm. so each of your decks are just completely unique you've each got cards that are like oh man that's his best card where nowadays it's just well, everybody has that card. It's just whether you want to put it in your deck or not. Right, Because right. there's the perfect way to construct your decks. And so I, I've kind of been interacting lately. I guess my current love of Yu-Gi-Oh! has been interacting on two fronts. One, with you, to where we kind of reenacted this childhood version. Where, where I've got a shoe, I've literally got a shoebox. It is a literal shoebox. <laughs> with, with, like, eight decks that I've made as a kid that I brought when Nathaniel's, you know, broke out his. And we started playing with these old school decks we used to have. And it's just so much fun. And then I've also been trying my hand i don't know why i do this uh so the dueling book is basically it's a website that houses every single Yu-Gi-Oh card on the market and you can construct whatever deck you want and then play against other people online and they can do the same exact thing so it's not a matter of what cards you have everybody has access to every card in the game it's just a matter of hey like if you had access to every card in the game what kind of deck would you make and would it be competitive so most of the time I'm just completely raging. <laughs> and like, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I, I have to pray about not being a troll on there because people will just... The game is... In my defense, like, the game has changed a lot. So the game used to be very basic, cut and dry. Like, mm-hmm. you had two different kinds of cards. You had cards that were, like, magic and trap cards. They're mm-hmm. kind of, like, specialty. You flip them over and they do one thing and then they leave. And then you had your character cards, your monster cards. And, like, those would stay on the field and fight. Those are the, that's pretty much it. And it was a very basic rule. You could put one monster down per turn. Now there are like 17 different categories of monster. And some yep. of the monsters, you, you play two of them at the same time. And then you put five ones in between them. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this guy, you're like, oh, this is, called, this is not just like a normal summon like you used to back in the day when Yu-Gi-Oh! made sense. This is called a pendulum summon. I'm like... I, I'm literally, and so I'm. I'm like, I'm sitting there, and I've seen this, you know, plenty of times. By this point, I've played enough against enough twelve-year-olds online to know. <laughs> but I, I always play the stupid card. I'm always like, "What do you mean? You only have one normal." Su-. I'm typing this out, of course. You only have one normal summon, and they're like, "Uh, this is a pendulum summon, dude." And I'm like, "Oh, that doesn't make any sense." And they're like, and "They have to sit there and explain it." I'm just hoping. I'm like, "Please quit." And start <laughs> because I know you're gonna beat me. You just summon like twelve cards, and uh, you know, I'm playing my one monster in defense mode and just waiting to get a obliterated um literally gray don't make me (laughs) but it is it's fun (laughs) i literally like i played online for the few times that my weird schemey deck happens to win like there there are random few times you can tell and you can totally tell that these people are playing going what are these ancient cards Like, like, like these, these are kids. Like their decks are so insane. They're so in sync with all the new things. Their turns take like five minutes. Mm-hmm. Mine take about three seconds. Mm-hmm. And you can just tell. And then I'll play a card, and they're like, "What?" And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, your guys die." He's like, uh, <laughs> "What is that? What?" And they're always, "What kind of deck is this? What are you using?" Yeah, <laughs> I'm always like, "I just made it myself, man. I'm not using some like because everybody's just following some template from right. online." But oh, see, and, and I. To me, that's so boring. Right. Like, I understand, like, oh, this is a, this is, you know, a topping there. But, like, on Dueling Book, like, it's not, there's no, there's right. zero stakes. Yeah. That's the place to be like, hey, 
I can use literally any card. I'm going to build a crappy Exodia deck. And one of the best things I ever saw, one of the best things I ever saw was someone on Dueling Book made a deck that the whole point is to put Exodia in your opponent's hand so you automatically lose the game. <laughs> also, if, you, if you don't know what Exodia is, so uh, Exodia is like, it's basically a trump card in Yu-Gi-Oh. It's a very difficult card to, to even play, yeah. but if you play it, you automatically win. That's the idea. Yeah, yeah you, get really five, is that you get all hard five to play. pieces of Exodia in your hand, and you just win. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't art. It's just like, boom, I have it, you win. But it's but, really hard to do. But, and, it, and it's kind of used as a trope now. Anyway. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's not very vile. It's not a very good strategy, no, but not. that's why it's funny. It's that not. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and to give it, it basically, the, the, whole, the whole idea of the, this gimmick deck was... I, I have all the pieces of Exodia in my hand, but I'm going to put them in your hand, so when I do that, you win. You win the duel. Like, you just win. That's escape, The game ends. You win. It's It was really funny. But um, to your point, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! has changed a lot over the... It's like a constantly evolving card game. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's actually a YouTube series I've been watching, which I told you about, mm. which is actually, I think, a really good way to kind of get acclimated to how Yu-Gi-Oh! has been changing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a YouTube channel called CIMO, which is C-I-M and then, like, eight O's. Like potatoes, like see, see. Potatoes. Um, but he's been doing a series, and 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 I, I like them juxtaposed because they're one is he's he's basically playing against this guy, and they're going through the history of all the different packs that came out, and saying, okay, here are the best decks at the time, and this is what it would have looked like if you were playing competitively. Mm-hmm. But then he's playing with this other guy, where they're like, let's just, and because Dueling Book has this option where you can artificially open packs, mm. like, and, and it'll tell you like, well, if you had opened this pack, it would have been worth $27, and, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, so they're artificially opening packs, and then building decks with that, so their decks are, like, way jankier, way wonkier, and so you're kind of seeing the both, like, this is what the, the if you if you had access to all the cards, this is kind of what you'd see at the high end, and then this is what you'd see on the playground, where hey, I have this card, so I get to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think both of those, and, and they kind of go through, and so it's really helpful, because they, they talk you through, like, these are why these cards are good, this is why, you know, people were playing this and that and the other, so it helps you kind of get a little bit of knowledge, while also, if, if they're hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, it's exactly what you think, they're like, pulling out the kill, you know, you just activate my trap, and they're just raging, and it's amazing. Um, it's great. That's but, awesome. But yeah, overall, the game has been the game as of late i mean it is the game i'm playing if, I, if yeah. i'm if i'm at the office and i'm and i've got a few minutes to kill i'll just pop open dueling book and pl- rage quit a couple games <laughs> and get back to work um and if i'm over here with nathaniel lots of things pretty often uh we've been you know smoking cigars and be like hey let's break out a few decks and play yeah. so it's it's, it's, it's a lot of fun it's been the game of choice lately for me so that nice. that's like yeah. good recommendation young or old yeah. get into yeah. it it's, it's and, a really and, fun thing find a friend to get into yeah, it with find someone to get into it. and and the thing is you could spend the, like here's the, here's the in fifteen bucks because you can buy a pre made deck and they're yeah. pretty good and and they're like it, like you buy a pre made deck and and see you know hey I, I do I enjoy this game or do I not enjoy this game um what this is how I got into it me and my brother we got the Yu Gi Oh the Yu Gi and the Kaiba decks yep that's exactly so, how yeah, I did so that I think that's a great way to do it it's like thirty bucks yeah. you get two decks that are like oppose each other and then you just and yeah, from there you it, just start buying more cards and and especially nowadays there, there are so many different structured decks. Which are great because then you could just you know you can pick one completely unique of the, your friend who picks one, mm-hmm. and both of you guys will have enough cards to have a full deck already. The deck will make sense with itself, yeah. and they'll be completely different. Yeah. So you'll each have your own unique strategies. Yeah, and that's a fun. And then from there, of course, you can buy a little booster packs and, and make yeah. your deck a little better. Yeah. Better. And it's a fun way to start, but I would encourage. I mean, it's a great game. Yeah, and then and then you know the easiest way to expand is just to buy these giant like hundreds of cards for 20 bucks of mixed lots, and then you like you get a bunch of random cards, and then you just like, oh okay, what can I do with these cards? It's like, yeah. Get into Yu-Gi-Oh! It's a lot of fun. And, cool. and you don't have to play, like, you don't have to be hyper-competitive about it. Like Greg said, it, the fun of it is making the deck that's yours. Right. And then, hey, if you if you decide, hey, I do want to be competitive about it, then you can. 
Uh, I don't know why you would. Like, it seems really frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> you spend a lot of money. Yu-Gi-Oh! Is, it, it's interesting because it has one of the highest caps, like, price points. Yeah. It's, it's gone down over the years, but it has, like, one of the highest price, price points for getting competitive cards. So it's like, yeah, why bother? Just get just spend 10 bucks on some cards and have a ball playing mm-hmm. with your friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be like, dude, this deck sucks. I love it. <laughs> just then the one time it pops out, be like, yes, I knew it. That's exactly I am it. the king of games. That's awesome. <laughs> But that is my game recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. So I don't have a game on on my list, but I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Hmm. Uh, you know, we're on a podcast. Obviously, we are all fans of podcasts. But uh, when I I've recommended in the past on um, our our previous like geeking out episodes or whatever is Sci Fi Five. Um, if you like science fiction at all, um, this is definitely worth checking out. It's five minutes of science fiction history, five days a week. Um, and not only are you getting some sci- science fiction uh, history knowledge, like, you know, Born on This Day is, you know, Bruce Boxleitner or, you know, uh, Catherine Tate or, you know, whoever, actor, actress or director, author. Uh, you're also getting things like uh, information about the space program and not just the U.S. space program. You're getting information about, like, this is the whole of humanity's journey into the, into the stars. And then what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're getting stuff about Russia, and anyway, it's it's just it's really interesting on on that level because uh, frankly, I didn't know a ton about the space program, so I'm learning stuff about that, learning some stuff about sci-fi history, and uh, full disclosure, I now write for them. So always be plugging. Always be Always be plugging. But um, you know, as as I've mentioned before, I've definitely I mentioned this months before I ever like knew I was going to be invited to write. So mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I was truly invited. It, was, it came out of the blue. Um, so anyway, that's wonderful. Thank you, Anakin. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, if nothing else, it's not going to take a lot of your time. So uh, five minutes science fiction history, five days a week. Today's uh, was about Ray Bradbury Theater, which was a really cool uh, TV series that ran on HBO in the '80s. Uh, anthology series based on the work of Ray Bradbury. It's pretty cool stuff. So that would be um, my recommendation. Sci-Fi Five. Nice. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so my book recommendation. Uh, so I haven't read a book in like two months. But I did in January. I did read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Um, like I read like ten books in January. Um, so I'm going to recommend what I read in January, which is the most recent thing I've read. So two books. One that's kind of more classic, um, both sci-fi, but one that's more of a classic, and one that's kind of uh, <laughs> um, these are good books. I wouldn't say they're bad books, but maybe not. Uh, you wouldn't say are are hallmarks of of classic science fiction that everyone should read although eh, you could argue so the first is, is Dune um, mm. I read Dune for the first time I've been, I've been I had it I've had it for a while and I just didn't get around to reading it I finally was like okay I'm just gonna sit I, down I've made a few attempts to read Dune it's it's a beast it's it's a beast but it's really good yeah. it's actually like it's legitimately really good the world building is excellent and intriguing the characters are really solid and, and flawed you want to see it's, it's one of the ones where you want to see what's going to happen next um, and the ending was it was very strange like what happened you were like I did not see that coming yeah. in a good way it wasn't like well that was an anti-climax it was, that's not what happened it was really interesting and it, right. it, it hints at this much 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 bigger universe which obviously Frank Herbert built out over like 90 books or whatever he, um, I think he wrote like the first five and then he passed away and then his son wrote right. a, a, a litany of books afterwards right. based on his notes right but, but similar to the Lord of the Rings he builds out this much much bigger world that you just get hints of in this book um, stuff that makes you say, huh, what's this about? What's that about? And they do a really good job. He does a really, really good job of not explaining every single thing. He's, he just mentions certain entities, 
and you, the, the extent to which you know about this entity, like, you know, this federation or this, this hegemony or whatever, is what characters talk about and reference them as though they already know about them, because they do. And, you know, I, I, it, it, it avoids, it, it's really commonplace today, especially in superhero TV shows, where one character has to explain a thing, even if everyone knows about it, mm -hmm. for the audience. They don't do that. They just... They say, hey, you know, there's more stuff going on here, but it's not central to the plot. I mean, it's central to the plot, but you don't need to know everything about them. We're just giving you hints, and you can kind of think. It, it, it's very, it, he does a great job of building the intrigue of this massive universe. You get a, a sense that the world is massive and all dependent on this one, that, that this the world that it's taking place on is central to everything because of the spice and, and how that works with space travel. Right. And it's very strange. But yeah, it's really, really solid. Dune, Dune very good book. And the new one, the, the uh, show or movie? And so so uh, Dune's had a couple of adaptations. Yeah, yeah. But it, there's it, a new one coming yes, out soon. Yes, so there's a new movie. Part one drops, I believe, in December of this year. Who's the who's the lead on that? Timothy Chalamet is going to yeah, be Chalamet. Paul Atreides. Um, Timothy Chalamar. Uh, Timothy Chabalgu. Uh, but that, uh, like, that movie is going to be worth seeing just for the cast alone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the cast is, is yeah. star-studded. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Timothy Chalamet, um, Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho, uh, Jessica Ferguson. Is, is that, wait. Yes. Well, Poe Dameron. No, no, excuse me, excuse me. Re Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson is Lady Jessica, who's Timothy Chalamet's mom. Who's a total badass. She's amazing. He's a great character. Did, did y'all watch Doctor Sleep? New. Oh my gosh! Like she was, she was that the was villain. The, that in, was the sequel. It's the sequel to, to the, Shining. the Shining. Yeah. Um, but she's the villain in that. Rose of the Hat. Holy cow! I'd only ever seen her in The Greatest Showman before, where she's Ginny Lind, uh, which you know, small but important role. Sure. Um, very very different from Rose the Hat. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like she was freaking scary <laughs> as Rose the Hat. So I'm really excited to watch her play Lady Jessica. Javier Bardem is um, Duke Leto. Is Timothy Chalamet's dad? Oh, he's the um, man. Wait a minute! No 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 no. Poe Dameron isn't he in it? Yeah, he is, and he's. I'm sorry, he is Duke Leto. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, Javier Bardem is in it. Yeah. Um, you, you know, there's just Star -studded so cast. so many. Uh, and um, Zendaya, uh, Zendaya is uh, the uh, the the female lead. Nice. Um, I'm blanking on her name because again, I'm I blanking on her name too. And I just read the book like two months ago. You know, um, I've <clears throat> I've tried to watch. I, I've seen the Sci-Fi Channel adaptation of Dune, which is pretty good. Uh, but I fell asleep in that. And then I've watched... <laughs> so the parts you saw were good. I, the parts I saw were good. And Ryan, who loves those books, said it was a really good adaptation. The 1984 um, David Lynch Dune is an acid trip. Watch while drunk. Um, <laughs> um, it's it's Stylistically, I love it. It's not a great adaptation. But again, the cast is really good in that, too. Um, but uh, yeah, like... <laughs> I, I've never made it through that one either. I always fall asleep. There, it, it, it's not because they're boring. Or just, I think I just watch them when I'm tired. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. The, the, the new adaptation is going to be really good. Yeah. Uh, so then my other recommendation, the lighter, the easier side to read, is the Thrawn trilogy. The original oh, Timothy Zahn running the yeah, Thrawn trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only read the first um, one. It's really good. It basically picks up right after Return of the Jedi. Or, or mm -hmm. uh, I think it's five years after Return of the Jedi. But, yeah. you know, New Republic is growing. Um, 
And what makes Thrawn such an interesting character? And Timothy Zahn, like the 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 book, the version I had had basically commentary by by Zahn on it, uh, which was really interesting. So Zahn came over from like military novels. Mm. Like he had uh, written, I think, both fiction and nonfiction. Um, but that's that was his like right. He, he was modeled after yeah. like a, a brilliant yeah. That was his general. wheelhouse. And so like, he said, okay, and he talked to soldiers. He was like, what kind of general would you follow? And he's like, the kind that inspires, um, that that inspires me, right? Not not the, not these kinds of guys who are like. You know, oh, you you failed me, dead, right? Right. The kind of people who say, hey, you messed up. We're going to do better next time. Mm-hmm. So you know, a good leader who's just you know working for what we might what we would consider an evil cause, right? Right. Is still a good leader. So so that's the idea of Thrawn, and and I love the way he, it's like because he's not super powerful. He's just super intelligent. Mm-hmm. So you know, all the power is with everyone else, but he's just a brilliant tactician, which comes across really well because Thrawn's used to writing military novels, and he's like. How does he learn about people? He studies their art, which I, you know, I thought it was really cool. He, you know, he, he's very mysterious and enigmatic, and it's and uh, he's a really cool character. And he's yeah. someone like, yeah, if I was in the art, if I was in the empire, I would follow Thrawn, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's really good. It keeps you on your toes. You're like, good lord, how is the how are the rebels going to win this? Because Thrawn has the upper hand. The entire time, you're like, even when the rebels win, it seems like Thrawn won. It's, it's really interesting. Really yeah, good. it's interesting just because most <laughs> in most Star Wars stories, like the bad guys are kind of dumb. Like yeah. they're, they're they're brutes, and like yeah. even even Vader to an extent was menacing, but he was kind of always like misled. Like there were a few times he got the upper hand, but you didn't. You didn't obviously, like, honestly really know how he got the upper hand. It was just like, he'd appear in a room when you walked in. You're like, oh, oh, shoot, it's Darth Vader. And it wouldn't really go into the detail like, oh, this guy's a genius and he's outsmarting me at every corner. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I think, I still even think at this point with the prequels, sequels, all this stuff, other than maybe... I mean, you, you, obviously, you could argue that Sidious was the biggest mastermind because he deceived an entire galaxy. Um, so he probably takes the cap for like most, <laughs> most, most sinister and brilliant evil guy. But Thrawn is a really well developed villain. Um, yeah, and he's yeah. he's just he's enjoyable. Like, like it's just it's just like it's very very like you said. It, it almost puts it the whole time like, oh, this guy is way more experienced in this whole he's gonna win every single battle Mm -hmm. and that's how you're going into each one just because as opposed to somebody going okay well we're clearly with the good guys we're gonna win somehow yeah vader's scary but you know it 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 puts it in a different light he's he is a really good character sorry just to plug him what did you say yeah no it's it's just solid and it's interesting because it feels like the uh because i think uh mandalorian Ahsoka, uh, was Ahsoka yeah, mentioned for Thrawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, well, and Thrawn was brought in in um, Star Wars Rebels, and, although albeit in a different manner. Right, in a different manner. Um, so he's he's technically a canon character now, but I, I'll also add because it sounds like you read the book with your eyes. I tend to read books with my ears. Um, if you uh, get the audio version of really honestly any of the Star Wars books, but if you get the the audio version of. Um, the Thrawn trilogy, they are all very well produced. You get music, you get lightsaber, oh, and blaster awesome. sound effects. That's awesome. So it's, it's more it's, radio theater version. Right. It's It, it really awesome. is. It's really good. They're very well narrated. Um, I'm blanking on the narrator's name, but he, he's done a lot of voice work. He's also the voice of Mr. DiMartino on Daria, um, which... Ooh, ooh, 
now, now the age gap is apparent. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> Daria was a cartoon on MTV for the uninitiated. Um, and uh, Mr. You mean the young? Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, what's an MTV? It, yeah. Well, there used to be this channel where they would play music videos. What's a music video? Okay, Go still makes them. What else is there? Okay, Go and Taylor Swift still make them. Nobody else does. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, he was, Mr. DiMartino was one of the teachers on there. He was kind of neurotic and, like, his signature features, he had a bulging eye and he kind of, like, like, like every... I would pop out. Yes, really. <laughs> Just look it up at some point. But anyway, uh, they are very well narrated. He does the voices like insanely good like his lando is like i mean i, I you know now you're doing chewbacca yeah like his lando is really good his han and luke are really good uh even his Leia is not bad so <laughs> you know you know it, anyway it's it's they're very well produced very very fun and enjoyable to listen to so i would definitely recommend that as well yeah so that's my book recommend awesome cool. well Greg, what, what do you recommend we read? <laughs> so I actually have read a lot of books this year. So far this year, I've read seven books. But oh, well done. I don't More read any fiction. Like, like, like literally, I don't know if I've ever made it through a, a book like that. I've, I read a lot of Christian literature, a lot of um, political literature, things like that. Uh, things that really catch my interest. But I've read a couple biographies. But I don't know. Every time I get into like some kind of fiction or a novel or something, it's like my... I, okay, for, for those of you who don't know, I, I've told people on this podcast that I'm dyslexic before. I, I read really slowly. Now, I have enjoyed listening to things, and honestly, both of you guys mentioning those things, so I've done the whole like throng. Like I know everything about that story. <laughs> um, but I've actually never read through it or listened through the book in, in, in its entirety. So hearing you say that, and then you talking about Dune, I was like, you know what? I should just do audiobooks of these things because I, mm-hmm. I, I listen. I, I listen to a lot of books on audiobook. I read. And I also do do a lot of actual reading um, of again like political literature, Christian literature. But yeah, I've never given it a try to listen to an audiobook of something that I you know some kind of novel or science fiction that I enjoy. And I do take a lot of long car rides, so I'm thinking maybe maybe I will try to jump into something like that. Um, but I'm gonna give, go for a weird recommendation here because you guys did books, and, and I'm assuming um, this won't fall into any specific category, so this will just act as my book recommendation. But it's just something I've been into lately, okay? And it's gonna sound a little brutal at first, but I don't want you guys to get away to run away, okay? MMA, okay? What did you say? So mixed martial wait, arts. Wait. Exactly. <laughs> Finally, it's relevant. <laughs> See, I'm not. I don't know why you would have thought that recommendation would have made Nathaniel and I run away. Because it's not that I think it be, make people run away. It, it, it's just I, I I understand people feeling like that's really abrasive. Like because it, it, it's. Hmm. I mean, it is as. It's, it's, it's brutal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely brutal. It's definitely a brutal sport for sure. Um, so for me as a kid, I always I was always one of those kids that, you know, like the whole fake wrestling would come on. Mm-hmm. And I'd sit there and be like, this would be so cool if it wasn't just so embarrassing. Like, <laughs> like it's embarrassing. I your pardon. It's embarrassing. <laughs> That's so perfect. <laughs> so, it's just—it's embarrassing to watch for them because, like, you're like, oh, you're just in these weird, obviously over-the-top, tight outfits, and it's also embarrassing for me to ever admit that I watched something like that. So, so there's that, and but I always thought that that concept was just the coolest. I'm like, well, yeah, it's—it's it's awesome the idea that these these 
fighters are going to come out that are different styles. This guy's really small and fast, and this guy's really big, and this guy has a signature move, and all these things. But, like, it, none of it was real. And so, like, I never thought about that. And when I got older, I... You know, I'd seen things about the UFC um, and things like that, but I'd never really gotten into it. And, and from a distance, it just did seem kind of brutal. I'm like, wow, they're just kind of throwing two guys in there. And like, yeah, we'll pay whoever wins. Um, we <laughs> <laughs> put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but when I... It started because my... my so I, I used to live in Miami. Um, my pastor at the church I was... That I've grown up in my whole life is a Brazilian guy. And he is a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh. Um, and he actually won the World's competition in Vegas. It's called the World's competition. For Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for, for purple belts. Purple belt is one step below black belt. So he oh. was at one time the best purple belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu fighter in the world. Um, he is a guy you do not want to mess with. <laughs> um, so th that was the first time that I got any kind of interest in like, oh, this is kind of like, because I went to like, he gave free classes, like like 10 free sessions. And I went to them because um, I'm young and athletic and I'm like, yeah, this will be fun. And it totally kicked my butt. Um, <laughs> I was totally dead. I'm like, this isn't volleyball. <laughs> there's, a guy, there's a guy choking me. <laughs> um, but that was the first time that I thought, okay. It would be interesting for me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I've gone to what five lessons at this point, and I'm like, oh, I'm already a master, right? But, but it's really interesting learning. Hey, this is why we grab their arm here. This is we twist it into this hold, and they can't get out, and then they have to tap, and we do this. I'm like, wow, this is all very cool. And this is defensive mechanism. This is how you play off your back. This is how you play when you're standing. This is how you play when you're on top of them. This is how you play when you're on your side. All of this stuff, and it's all about positioning, getting to these different positions. If you fight better from your back, then it's about how do you get into position where you're on your back. And all these people, different people, have different styles. And so seeing all that I was so intrigued and of course my mind goes i wonder how a master jiu-jitsu would fight against like a master at karate and then i was like that uh, would be such a Greg, it's called ultimate fighter and it's on discovery channel uh, uh, it, <laughs> no but it, it's, called, it, it's called the ufc and it really exists and and, and and that's where i transitioned to going oh like there really are like really some of the best kickboxers and karate fighters are big time ufc fighters right now and it's really interesting to see a fight where it's like, hey, like, so one of my favorite, my favorite fighter right now in the UFC, his name is, is uh, Chris uh, Wonderboy Thompson. Chris Wonderboy Thompson. Wait, I'm getting his first name wrong just because I'm, I'm okay. His last name, last name is Thompson. And uh, he, he goes by Wonderboy. Anyways, so he, he, he's like, he's like a old school karate fighter. Like this guy fights sideways, bouncing up and down with his hands down at his side. Like he throws all kinds of crazy kicks. Um, and he is just the coolest to watch. He has virtually no ground game, which means that if he's fighting somebody whose specialty is wrestling or jujitsu, he he's he's like really doesn't want to get on the ground. But what he also has is really good takedown defense. So people that try to take him to the ground, he's really really good at not falling to the ground. So he keeps the game on on their toes, and then he's one of the best strikers in the UFC. So I love watching him because he's super like tricky and super unique and whatever so i and so it, that's how it started it started with me being like i want to watch um steven that's it steven yeah, yeah i just googled I, him. I, yep. I, I saw i saw the look in your eyes i'm like she knows already thank you big quick Greg. Yep. steven wonderboy thompson um so he was the and, and the way it worked is that i would i would wait and say okay he's fighting what they call them as cards when there's a ufc fight it's not like a game um they call them like a card it's like hey the ufc card is happening this night and on the card are five fights 
or six fights, whatever yeah. it's going to be. And you'll have... I think you know, it's similar in boxing yeah, as well. Yeah, same exact thing in boxing. And, and there'll be, you know, least least anticipated fight at the bottom all the way up to the main event. So anytime Steven Wonderboy Thompson was on a card, I would go and watch that card. But of course, when you watch the card, then you you kind of get glimpses of some of the other fights. And you say, oh man, well, that guy's really cool. Like, he's so-and-so, and he's a really big name. And oh, he's fighting this guy. And then, and then they build the backstories. Well, this guy's kind of a jerk. And you're like, oh. And, like, and they kind of have a little bit of those characteristics of that old-school fake wrestling where like mm-hmm. some of these guys are just characters and, and they know that acting that way is going to get them these big fights and so they're just total i mean like everybody knows conor mcgregor the name but he, he I mean, he's hilarious i mean he's hysterical and he's just he's completely over the top but that's why every time you know like he's about to be get, like do a fight everybody wants to watch because he's, he's he's so wild and, and and crazy and and half the people are just like yeah shut this guy up he's so annoying and the other half of the people have started to like that and think he's, <laughs> he's, his irish accent is charming but you're doing nothing like like he's so anyways yeah. after, after watching a few of these it's got it, it's just kind of like it's been like an exponential increase to where it's like, oh, well, now I watch two fighters. And so now that I watch those two fighters, now I've watched more UFC, so I've gotten accumulated with more fighters. And so now there's like five fighters that I really like. And now it's... So anyways, lately, it's gotten to the point where it's pretty much like my second favorite sport to watch. Like I really like UFC. I, I really love seeing the art of like the different styles of fighters. So this past weekend, there was a title fight. And one of the guys, Charles Oliveira, is a is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu like master. He is the most submissions in UFC history. He's just he's like an anaconda. He's tall and lanky and just really weird. And the, and the other guy and the other guy is is like Tell us how you really feel. No, if if you saw this guy, you'd be like, Oh, he is tall and lanky and weird. Um and and the guy he's fighting is Michael Chandler, who's just this like ball of energy. I mean short built and I mean just just super aggressive so, I mean, so basically you just described me in the <laughs> <laughs> it was basically <laughs> Ashley and Nathaniel versus me versus <laughs> Yes. But but it's funny because they're they're both great wrestlers on the ground. But Michael Chandler was a was a world class wrestler, like an actual like uh, like uh, college you know mm-hmm. skilled wrestler. And Oliveira is a jiu jitsu artist. So they both like to take the game to the ground, but they have completely different strategies once they get there. And so it's just a, and it was an amazing fight. It was two rounds, and Oliveira won in the second round. Anyways. So that's my plug for UFC. If you guys can get past the brutality, so yeah, sometimes there are some brutal knockouts. Um, but the game has evolved a lot to where there are so many safety precautions. Mm-hmm. The point where you, it, it's really nice to see something that intense happen, and then right afterwards, the guys hug each other and just mm-hmm. say, "Hey, man, like, it was a, such a great fight. Like, like, congratulations, good stuff." And, Hold and me. walk away. Um, obviously, there are a few times where there's bad blood, like there was in any sport. Um, but it, it, it really has become a, a fun sport. At first, I didn't know how to feel. I'm like, "Oh, this is a little brutal," but then I was like, "You know what? This is." This is for, for these guys, they're, this is their sport. This is their craft, and they're and they're they're getting better and better at. It, and I, you know, I love watching that. So that's my that's plug cool. for the UFC. All right, all right, actually, I'm ready. <laughs> all right. getting good at those. All right, all right. I'm getting there. They're more relevant. I'm trying to remember <laughs> where at first. Yeah, at first, only just shoot random like, buttons. Uh, <laughs> 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 we would get random. We get random Emperor Palpatine noises, and we'd be like, "What? <laughs> that, that doesn't like that's that's not relevant to anything I just said." <laughs> just like, so you've gotten a lot better. You have I have gotten a lot of I, it really is learning like which keys on my keyboard because I don't I haven't changed them but like learning oh you know like just the, like the level of the, the level of relevance uh, <laughs> your sound bites is really going up yeah, yeah. I, 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 I do what I can I do yeah. what I can alright alright all right. I can't believe you've done this alright Ashley hit all us alright so something uh, in, in kind of going 
a little ways um, from uh, pulling a little bit off of oh, Star Trek. Oh, just a little say, bit. Uh, something to watch. Watch Star Trek. Um, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I can't believe I'm on any Star Trek. I need some engagement. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so um, I have made it no secret that I love Star Trek. Um, I love Star Trek more than Star Wars. Uh, which, uh, yeah, if you had told 10-year-old me that I would ever say that, I would have smacked you and called you a liar. To be fair to say, it's technically a lot more Star Trek to oh, watch. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I think one of the... Th- the reason I- I've got Star Trek on my reco list right now, part of it is because um, I'm taking a Star Trek class right now um, with um, uh, Dr. Amy H. Sturgis, who uh, is uh, both my friend and academic mentor. Um, she's teaching uh, a, a Star Trek class this summer at Signal University, which is my alma mater. I'm auditing it. And so so Star Trek is really, like, heavily in my brain at this moment. Um, so it just started last week. So we're working through original series. Uh, obviously, we, there is not time <laughs> to watch every single episode of every single series, also read some books, and watch some movies this summer. So she's uh, taken, like, a selection of episodes. But she's doing a really fantastic job of not only highlighting important themes... Uh, but also highlighting the uh, influence Star Trek has had not only on science fiction history, but science history, also like social and cultural history. I don't, I mean, Nathan, you may, you may know this, um, but um, Greg, you may not. Uh, Nichelle Nichols, who played Lieutenant Uhura, uh, was originally going to quit Star Trek after the first season because uh, NBC, who was the studio that had Star Trek at the time, would not allow Gene Roddenberry to make her a full cast member because she's black. Wow. And so she was really frustrated with that. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, and was going to quit. Dr. Martin Luther King called her and said, don't quit. It is so important for you to be present and be seen. Um, because you are showing people that black people are important. Hmm. And they are equals. You are on a you, you are on the bridge of a starship among, uh, among people of different races, um, nationalities, ethnicities. It's so important for you to be there. Don't quit. And so she stayed because of that. And consequently, Nichelle Nichols was later hired by NASA to recruit women and people of color for the space program. She also directly inspired uh, an astronaut, Dr. Mae Jemison, who is also the only astronaut to ever actually appear on Star Trek, uh, which is cool. She, she's, a, she's a guest star in an episode of Next Gen, oh. uh, which is really awesome. Uh, also uh, influenced uh, Whoopi Goldberg to become an actress because Whoopi Goldberg saw her on on TV as a child and said, "Mama, there's a colored lady on TV and she ain't no maid." Um, <laughs> and 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 she literally chose to pursue acting because seeing Nichelle Nichols on screen. So anyway, that's just one example of the way Star Trek has influenced history in a really positive way socially. So and I don't mean just watch original series; watch all of it. Pick, pick a series. Especially Deep Space Nine. I say Deep Space Nine has some of the best writing of any Star Trek, period. Um, if you want, I think the best ensemble cast is Next Gen, plus you have Patrick Stewart as the lead, and he's just phenomenal in anything. I'm good. Uh, um, my personal favorite is Voyager, because you get uh, Catherine Mul- uh, Kate Mulgrew, who is just amazing. Um, it, and, al- it also does a lot with the Borg, which are really interesting. Right. Well. It, it humanizes the Borg. Fun which, fact, that's the only one I've watched all the way through. Which is like an unusual one for it to be the only one you watch. So, um, that's not a bad one. Yeah, no. Next, I, Deep Space Nine is excellent. So uh, is Next Gen. I, and I think Enterprise is interesting as a prequel. You also have one of the most positive portrayals of a Southern person <laughs> on there uh, as Trip Tucker. Uh, aside but, from... But, hey, what about uh, Tucker and Dale? I'm blaming this whole thing on you. <laughs> <laughs> um... And then you also, you know, of course, if you want another positive portrayal of a Southern person, uh, DeForest Kelly as uh, 
Dr. McCoy on original series is mm-hmm. also fantastic. Um, but anyway, all of Star Trek is good. Discovery is great. Discovery has, like, it's Star Trek for a new generation. A lot of people who were into other versions of Star Trek aren't big fans. That's okay. Well, it's not I, their Star Trek. And I think it definitely made some missteps, but I think it's solid overall. Uh, yeah. I, I, and, and, and it's improved. So. Yeah, yeah. I think season three is, is my favorite so far. Um, I love the hopefulness of it. Um, I love Tilly. As somebody... So I, I got tested for ADHD in December. I don't have ADHD. Um, I have a lot of the markers of it. So the psych said I probably have an ADHD brain, so, so my brain is wired so that way. So what you're saying is you have maybe HD. Maybe HD, <laughs> something like that. Um, but hey, so hey. I, have, I have a lot of <laughs> lot of the uh, markers of it, but I don't have enough to merit the diagnosis. But I watch Tilly, and I'm like, <gasps> the, it, she's so hyper and, like, bubbly, and that's me! <laughs> so anyway, um, watch Star Trek. Um, there's something for everybody. Um, if you want a series that overall is imbued with just hope and you just need something to, you know, help you feel better, like, honestly, like, Star Trek's my comfort TV. Like, mm. I, I watch Star Trek and I want to be a better human afterwards. And I think that's something that good art should do is should make you want to be a better human. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, mm-hmm. that's my recommendation. Watch Star Trek. It's very Hell accessible. Yeah. <laughs> I have, again, I don't have any Star Trek on the soundboard. I have some spots open. Oh. I'll have to amend that. Yeah. All right. Oh, we'll so, that. I'm going to recommend some Muzak. Muzak. So, yeah. slap me. So, Gonna recommend two albums. One is very heavy. One is not. So the first album I'm gonna recommend is the album that got me into metal music. It's mm-hmm. called uh, "Suck Out the Poison" by He Is Legend. And I would argue, so they they had like four albums. Their first album is like nine hundred two one zero or something like that. Nine one zero. It's a bunch of numbers, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, their second album, "Suck Out the Poison," is even better. And then the third and fourth albums, in my opinion, are not very good. Um, but it's it's a, I think it's a really good introduction to harsh vocal metal because he sings but then he also screams mm-hmm. um, and just every song is just so catchy um, just really fun to listen to it's not super super heavy like blowing your eardrums out but it is just it's a solid metal album and it's on the lighter end of, of harsh vocal metal and it's a really good introduction to that and just every single song on that album is just phenomenal. Yeah, so that that's that's one, and and then for 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 a non harsh vocal for like a, a smoother vibes, um, Fashion Eagle by Cake, Ooh. or Comfort Eagle, Comfort Eagle, Comfort Eagle. Eagle, okay, Comfort Eagle by Cake. I mean, I mixed two of their albums. They have like Fashion Plate or something, and Comfort Comfort Eagle by Cake. This is my and one of my little brothers. This is our road trip album. Whenever we're in the car and on a long drive together, we listen to this entire album. It is so stinking good. I mean, you got opera singer, short skirt, long jacket. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only one that it doesn't have that people are like, oh, that's the cake song I know, is The Distance, which is a good cake song, but it's not the best cake song. It's got Opera Singer, it's got Short Skirt, Long Jacket, it's got, um, oh, what's the other big one? Comfort Eagle. Comfort Eagle is an amazing song. Um, one of my favorite lines in any song is, his cigarette is burning, but he never seems to ash. I just love that <laughs> line. Um, so every song on there is fantastic. It's a great introduction to cake. Like, it's really... it's. It's really good. It's really chill. Great car music. So, okay. Comfort Eagle by Cake. Highly recommend. And then if you want something a little heavier, Suck Out the Poison by He Is Legend. Okay. Um, these are both much older albums. So, you right. know, maybe you're familiar. You're, you're, I'm almost certainly you've never heard of He Is Legend because they're a very small band. Um, but you might have heard of Cake. And you probably heard The Distance. I've heard of Cake. And yeah. you probably heard Short Skirt Long Jacket because it was also the intro to Chuck. I would say, it's a theme song um, to Chuck. The, the, only other, Chuck. the only other Cake song I've ever heard is they did a cover of I Will Survive. Yes, they did a cover of I Will Survive. <laughs> it's a pretty good cover. It's a, it's a um, good cover. I like it. It's a pretty good cover. Um, I don't think it's... I've heard some people say that's better than the original. Like, eh, it's eh. not. Because the original is just outstanding. Yeah, yeah. But it's a good cover. It's, it's definitely a cover where I'm like, yeah, 
this, it's a fun one for sure. This, this needs to exist. Unlike, <laughs> short aside, one of the strangest and worst covers I've ever heard was a metal cover of um, Let It Go from Frozen. And it was sung by a metal band with a male vocalist. Uh-huh. And so he replaced all the queen with king. Uh-huh. Except for he didn't replace any of the other words. So I was like, dude, are you singing about a girl or are you singing about a guy? Because it's completely unclear. Right. <laughs> you, need to figure, you gotta change all the lyrics, not just one of them. Right, 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 <laughs> right. right. really funny. But it, that was a weird one. I was like, nah, that was a, you don't need to do that. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Suck Out the Poison by Heels Legend for something a little heavier, a little headbangy. It'll, it'll pump you up. And then uh, Comfort Eagle by Cake for cool. just nice chill. Super good. Right. Super good. All right. Yeah. Very good. So what do I do, album, or do I do TV show? You it's guys, up to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote them down I, in a certain order. So, you yeah. know, you do whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, ha- I, have, I have both. Uh, so I guess... Okay, I'll do album, and I'm sure I'll circle back and, and get my TV show in. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say... I mean, I really have to introduce this artist. I'm just going to look them up to reference song names here as, I, as I'm speaking. Um, okay, we need some uh, music when we have to look up stuff. Um, yes, you would, would put Jeopardy. And that- of course. Uh, what did I just hear, Greg? Uh-huh. And as you can see, my voice has changed. This is the story of... Greg, <laughs> what? Sorry, I'm, I'm clicking through songs. Okay. Call this uh, all Greg is clicking through songs. I, let me tell you the story about one of the strangest albums that... So, so back, back when I was at Georgia Tech, Mm. Uh, not in Georgia Tech. Sorry, back when I was at Vanderbilt. So even earlier than that, I, I ran a radio show with my with my roommate Nate. Cool. So we were Nate and Nate. Ah, and one of the adorable. one of the requisites for maintaining your show was every year because the, the the station would get CDs like free CD samples. Like rec, the album company, record companies would send albums to this right. station, and you'd have to what's called program them. So you'd have to listen to the whole thing, write a little blurb about what it sounds like, you know, like your opinion of it, what it sounds like, and then if a song is explicit, you had to mark it explicit so people knew not to play it, and then you could say, how, how does the song open and close so people would know, or oh, this starts like immediately, or this is like a really long opening, and things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> had an album, I don't remember who the artist is, but the name of the album was Bitch Get Fit. <laughs> and it opens with this old man, and it was some, I don't, I don't remember, it was some like, uh, like female... Norwegian funk duo Nefertiti Stroke. Like it was, it was some like, uh, like pop music, like experimental pop music is how mm-hmm. I would describe it, or maybe like a little electro, experimental electro pop music. I don't know. I don't, I don't Album remember. by Natasha Alexandra. Uh, Natasha Alexandra. Wow. Don't get this. And the first track <laughs> is this old man talking about the genesis of Bitch Get Fit. It's alive. Its heart is beating. Three little words that inspire so many emotions. And in the and the, the background, it's just him going, "Bitch, get fit." <laughs> what is happening? Oh my gosh, this is so weird. Uh, yeah. So did you find it, Greg? <laughs> yeah, I did. Okay. Um, okay. So the, go ahead. I, you I'm can gonna finish. have to yeah. like uh, no. Natasha Alexandra, known by the stage name NLX, is a Canadian dark pop singer, uh, songwriter, and keyboardist. She was born in Hamilton, Ontario, and grew up there. Now lives in New York City. So look up NLX if you want to. Yeah, yeah. NLX, <laughs> bitch, get fit. Bitch, get fit. The intro track is. Dang. Maybe I'll put that on the. Maybe we'll close with that. It's just so <laughs> bizarre. It's just you're just like. No, I'll open with that, and people are like, "What, what? is happening?" <laughs> it's just the most bizarre thing. <laughs> All right, great. Okay, All right. so. I own a video production company. I I very much like musical scores, things like that. That has led me to 
I, I really enjoy instrumental music. That's a lot. A lot of why I listen to music is the way that it sounds. Mm. Occasionally, I'm like, oh, this song says some really interesting things, and like, and like that's really cool or that's catchy. Uh, but honestly, more so, it's like, does the sound song sound cool? And if so, then great. That's why I like it. And so it leads me to a lot of instrumental music. I really like piano music. But more modern style in instrumental music has led me to a couple really interesting bands, one of which is Pogo. Uh, so Pogo is a DJ artist, and he he really he just creates, he creates entire albums using just bits and pieces and sounds from either like movies or TV shows or old Disney movies or whatever and he'll just take a few of these sounds and phrases and slide them all in and each kind of album has a different theme uh, he did one that was heavily kind of featuring Stranger Things mm -hmm. and had a lot of a lot of quick you know just like like Lucas do you copy Lucas do you copy and so like all, all these like different things and then the, the, but the songs sound great and then they're all just these little quick references that you're like oh that's from that one movie oh that's from the and, and then his most recent one, um, or a second to most recent one, because I was just looking, he had a new one come out in between, but uh, was it, it came out during like Halloween time last November, and it was all about um, The Shining, and Ooh. so like 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 the like one of the song names is Red Rum, um, and it's they're all just really interesting, and it's all these quick little little, little lines here and there from these movies, and they're, they're brought together to make these really interesting songs. His most popular one is called Forget, and it's just a lot of these old Disney. You know, ones and, and the reason why that one kind of blew up and made him famous is because there's a YouTube video that shows the clips of the of the things he's using as they each come in. So they're like flashes, really quick flashes of like of like uh, you know uh, Alice in Wonderland skipping down and then all of a sudden cuts to Pinocchio and and cuts to this and even sounds from the songs in those Disney movies he cuts out and overlays and stretches out and does all these things to where the whole entire thing is just all these Disney things. So um, that's a great one to listen to. Um, another one in, in a similar vein but maybe a little more comedy is, uh, is a guy called Yuri Wong. He's interesting because on YouTube he, sometimes he'll even do his live and he takes only like a specific like almost like a specific line from a movie so he like the, the the biggest one i listen to the only one that i've like gotten to the point where i'm like i'm adding this on my spotify as something i will consistently listen to not as a meme not as funny because it sounds amazing um is called for ants and i don't know if you guys have seen zoolander yes but that center for ants so that scene where he's like yeah. he's like what is this a center for ants just that yeah, right there he, he takes he, he takes that and I just want to let you guys like listen to to just the very beginning of this and you can just see how like you can hear how good this is I can pull it up okay it's what? just called for ants Yuri Wong and you'll just you'll, you'll, you'll hear it start to come in and it's just it, the whole thing is built around that one line what is this it's into for ants Th right, it's got to be three times bigger than this and that's the listen to this thing it's so good You can hear him in the background. What is this? What is this? What is this? <laughs> 
Nathaniel, you do not have the same skills as, as Yuri Wong. <laughs> Stop it if you want, but like it's. There, I mean, obviously you can tell he's got skill to where he makes. It, oh, I'm sorry, did I hit that button? <laughs> he makes it into this really kind of just like uh, kind of all you know surrounding song. But mm -hmm. anyways, for somebody who likes to listen to, to music, oftentimes for just the way it sounds, and I'm not super interested in like philosophical information given to me through music mm -hmm. uh, most of the time I'm just like hey just give me something that will kind of lift my spirits or, or that'll make me feel a certain way just through the way it sounds and it's kind of led me to more modern stuff like this that mm -hmm. I wouldn't naturally say I'm listening to like DJ music all the time mm -hmm. but I find both of these guys to be extremely talented mm -hmm. and really entertaining to listen to their new stuff especially Pogo just because I mean the new album will come out and it'll have a specific theme and it's like oh Stranger Things like I know all these quotes like, yeah, yeah. like they're, cool, they're, they're all so much fun so yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I, I also listen to music for... I mean, I listen to a lot of different music, but I lately I've started... I, I gravitate towards movie soundtracks because... Mm. I don't know. I feel like I want everything in my life to tell me a story. Right. Well, <laughs> and that's why they're made, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, movie soundtracks are specifically made to be like, hey, we're going to take you through a whole mm -hmm. bunch of emotions here. Like, mm -hmm. jump on board. <laughs> like, get ready. Buckle yeah. up. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So... Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I've, I've... I mean, I can go with another one. Um... If, if, unless you, you had something else you wanted to jump in with, Nathaniel. But relatedly, I have something. No, go for it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of my records on here is support your local record shop. I collect vinyl, just something right uh, I believe it's pronounced vinyl. Uh, it's not. No, sorry. Hello, no. uh, look at my large vinyl collection. <laughs> no, I do not have a super large uh, vinyl collection, but it, 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 it tends to, it, it's been uh, trending upward <laughs> here lately. And uh, most of the stuff I've picked up um, here lately has been movie soundtracks. Um, there's a cool record shop I really love uh, in Mint Hill and uh, uh, over here uh, called Hardy Boys Records and Comics. You can guess why. They have records and they have comics. <laughs> truth and advertising, baby. Uh, truth and advertising. But they, they've also got other interesting, like, retro uh, media, which I personally just find really fascinating. Like, he's got a huge laser disc uh, collection. Ashley, what are laser discs? They're kind of like giant. That doesn't giants. sound like VHS. <laughs> They're kind of like... Is this Tron? <laughs> I love Tron. Stop it. So good, okay, so good. that's I, why I put this on. You're so old. And every time Ashley brings up laser discs or Betamax, I'm just like, ah! I'm like two years younger than you. Uh, I, actually, I'm five years older than you, my friend. But that's oh, fine. Boy. Oh boy! Oh, where is it? Come <laughs> anyway, I like dead media. Okay. Uh, no, it's funny because Naomi collects vinyl as well. So we've yeah, uh, yeah, we've, yeah. We've gotten some vinyl. Um, but. What what the the thing that and I think this is way back in yeah. our video game episode maybe and you mm -hmm. mentioned uh, something that would have gotten me into vinyl which was the fact that the Sonic Adventure Two Battle oh. soundtrack is on vinyl yeah. like, yes please it I want that so like, good. Oh, yeah. oh welcome to my house let me put in a vinyl record do 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 Ah, I see you're a man of taste <laughs> this is Knuckles <laughs> you're a pumpkin <laughs> 
Sorry. Sorry, Ashley. We're ruining your point. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're agreeing with your point. Vinyl is great. <laughs> vinyl is great. But, I mean, what's interesting is vinyl has outsold any other form of, like, physical music media for, like, the past two, three years. Yeah, because uh, everything's available digitally, so they only... Yeah. Like, people aren't buying CDs anymore. No. They're buying vinyl. They're buying vinyl because they, they want to have a specific album. But uh, Greg was talking about, <sighs> you know instrumental music a lot of the stuff i've picked up has been uh movie soundtracks because i want my my i want my music to tell me a story but uh you know with that too like i've really gained a a greater appreciation for what music does in movies um so uh like on my last trip there i got a john carpenter record um john carpenter has been uh putting out music with his son and godson uh, for the past few years, and he's now got three albums of Lost Themes. So I picked up uh, Lost Themes 1. I had I have three. I need to find two. But then I also got original pressings of uh, Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan, and Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock, which are track, track gorgeous. Track 4 is just uh, Shatner going, Khan! <laughs> Shockingly, <Khan>. no. <laughs> Shockingly, no. Um, but, um, you know, and and um, back in January, I got uh, an original pressing of Star Trek The Motion Picture. Picture. So both of those are by Jerry Goldsmith. Really beautiful, beautiful scores. The uh, um, Search for Spock is James Horner, who uh, most people probably better know his music from Titanic. Um, so, anyway, all that to say, um, that was Horner, Horner does, um, I believe, I believe, he does, uh, Land Before Time as well. Oh! oh all 13 um, of them? Or how many of them? The, the first original the and first only one good is a, one. is a really good one. The first yeah. one is a banger, man. You yeah. go back and watch that and you're like, so sad. These so themes sad. are like, I can't watch that. It will make me yeah, cry. Yeah. They're, they're, like, they're like heavily applicable themes to our times and like, they're very heavy and it's very sad. I'm like, Long this is an amazing man. movie. What, what, why was this made for a bunch of kids in because the 90s? Kids need to watch amazing movies. It's, no, it's totally true. But I'm like, yeah. why don't they? Like, why did it get ruined by 14 sequels that were yeah. garbage? Yeah. Pure garbage. <laughs> Pure garbage. There you go. There you go. So, uh, so one, listen to movie scores. Two, support your local record shop. All, All right, right. So I got two. I, okay. So I got two more um, movies. So. Um, First movie I want to recommend, uh, animated technically movie, is uh, Kugel and the Two Strings. I didn't hear anyone talking about this, like hardly anyone. Like mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of critical, like strong critical reception to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know anyone else who watched it. It's a gorgeous movie. It's stop motion animated. It's wait, what's it called? Kubo and the Two Strings. It's stop motion animated, and it is one of the most gorgeous movies I've ever seen. And it, it was, what was great was okay. So there, uh, there's a scene where he fights this basically giant skeleton. They made a massive set, like it was it was like a ten foot tall model of the skeleton to like grab things. It's it's it was just really good. It was heartwarming. Um, it touched on Japanese folklore, so you know it was a little different. But it was just so well done and so put so moving and so touching. That I was, I was like mad, and, and it's funny because all the articles I read were like, "Why is nobody talking about Kubo?" Because it was so good, it was so good, and I never hear anyone talk about it. Uh, uh, several friends of mine saw it and said it was fantastic, but yeah. I, I had not seen it, and I did not realize it was stop motion animation. Yes, that is it, cool. is. it is stop motion animated. It is just so well done. It is just so gorgeous. You can, it's one of those movies where you can watch it. And you can see the love that the creators put into it, the time and the effort. And it really shows into a, into a good product. And those are the kinds of movies that I, I really think are worth watching because you can just see the passion that went into this project. It's really, really good. And it will make you cry. Mm. 100% oh, yeah. will make you cry. It yeah. is so good. Okay. So 
yeah, Kubo Two Strings. That's my animated recommend. Uh, my non-animated recommend, and I think I've talked about it once before, is Ink. Yes, uh, I know what you're talking about, but yeah. I've not seen it. So Ink is a let me let me actually look it up. Not Ink Heart. It's a different movie. Um, so it was a 2009. It was a 2009 movie. It was pretty. Uh, it's not rated, so it was like an indie flick. Now there is, uh, it's, there's nothing like objectionable in it. In the very beginning, the main character drops like nine f bombs in a row, um, <laughs> and that's like it. As far as objectionable content goes, that is it. Full cast and crew, probably no one you'd ever heard of: Christopher Soren Kelly, Quinn Hunter, Jessica Duffy. Je- like it, and 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 it was clearly like kind of on the lower budget end. And, and so it, it kind of shows, but they, they were very creative with how they kind of worked around the fact that they didn't have a high budget. And basically the idea is, so there's there's uh, this guy, and his, he, uh, he, he, by the beginning of the movie, he gets fired from his job. Um, and his daughter gets kidnapped by this, this creature, this, you know, like hunchback of Notre Dame looking guy called Ink. And Ink wants to become an incubus. And so the council of incubi says say oh kidnap this girl and bring her to us and we will uh we'll make you an incubus and so it's all about ink kidnapping this girl and now now not in the physical world like because incubus like invade dreams right so basically she falls asleep and then she's in a coma because incubus has like stolen her away from her dream and so these characters who are basically like the 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 good characters of the dream world find the dad and say hey your daughter got kidnapped by and they're taking your daughter to the incubi we have to go rescue her. So it's like him going along with these other characters to rescue his daughter from Ink. And it's just really... I, it's, I don't want to say too much about it because it really would be spoilery, but all the characters are nuanced and the twist at the end is brilliant and the things that they do with the budget they have is just... It's it's just such a... It was one of those movies where at the end I was like... It, I just picked up on a whim. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that... You know, I, I read the book I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And then just blown away by the movie. One of the few movies like that I sat back and was like, that was just a phenomenal movie. Like Zootopia, where I was just like, wow, blown away. I was sitting back at the end when I didn't expect much from the trailer. I was like, oh, it'll be a fun Disney movie. And then just being blown away by how good it was. Same thing with Ink. I wa- sat down, I watched it, and I was like, oh, this will be fun. And then, oh, this is really interesting. And at the end, it's just like, that was worth my time. Mm-hmm. That movie was worth every second of it. And I want other people to watch this movie because it's so good. And again, just like with Kubo, I even less so, I've never heard anyone talk about this movie. I've never mm-hmm. met anyone who's watched this movie because it was really like a small thing that I just happened to stumble upon. Back when I was still getting Netflix DVDs. <laughs> so that's how I stumbled upon it. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. sure, whatever. Put it, put it, put, throw it in the queue. Um, back in college. And, and man, if you haven't seen it, Go find it. Go find it. Let me see if it's streaming anywhere. Because it's just... It's, just uh, it's on Amazon Prime. There you go. Amazon yeah. Prime. Just a phenomenal movie. Just a phenomenal movie. That one was streaming on Netflix for a while, and it kept getting recommended yeah. to me. And it just... I, and I never took a close look at it. But just looking at, like, the main poster, I thought it was, like, an anime film. Because, every, like, everything... It does have really strong yeah. anime vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize way. it was actually, yeah. like, a live-action film. That's yeah. really fascinating. Yeah. Cool. It sounds like a really interesting, it's like, dark really, fantasy. It, like, it is. That's It's really interesting. It's really interesting, and it plays it plays with with themes of redemption and and temptation and things like that in just a really good way. And it's surprisingly good child actor. So okay, very cool. I I, I don't know if either of you have seen Neil Gaiman's uh, Mirror Mask. What what you described sounds kind of like Mirror Mask. Um, I think, but anyway, yeah, that sounds really fascinating. Very cool. All right, Greg. It's also cool. I'm looking at it now. Um, <laughs> we should make it a movie night. Hey, I'm down. Okay, so I'll go to TV show. I had one. Um, 
and I'll talk about it. And it, it just popped like recently back up again um, because I've, I've watched the most updated season. I've mentioned it a few times on here, but I haven't gone into much depth. But uh, Attack on Titan. It is a mm. so it, this is an anime show. Um, I wouldn't I say I wouldn't say I'm like a crazy anime guy. I, I, not that I wouldn't recommend it to people, just that I haven't gotten into a whole lot of anime. Um, some of the, like the weirdness of a lot of like really people that are really <laughs> into anime. Like, oh, Japan. Yeah, it, it's just it, it's just a little too much for me oftentimes. But I have gotten into a couple series that I've been like, man, these rival some of my favorite TV shows I've ever watched. And so I would say I'm an anime fan just off of the the, the couple that I've really gotten into. But anyways, Attack on Titan is is the most uh, recent one uh, that has kind of captured my interest, and it is currently going on. So Attack on Titan is on the surface level, it's it's this you know action horror type thing where there's this revolutionary era maybe you'd call them they've got cannons and muskets and things like that i know an era of life that seems um they're living in this in this world where they're behind these humongous walls like 100 meters high and there's uh three different levels of those walls in a big circle so the outer level are the poorest people because they have least protection the inward level in the middle are your middle class because they've got two walls protecting them and then the inside layer you know is the most protected so there are three layers of walls and those are the richest people uh, so that kind of explains the world, the society. Um, but the reason they have these walls is because there's the giant humanoid creatures. Uh, they basically just like look like giant naked people with no reproductive organs. So they just look like and giant, skin. giant like mannequin. Yeah. No, they've got skin. Some uh, of them do. Some of them there, do. There's one specific one that doesn't. Right. And, you know, it gets complicated. But <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. hey, so, yeah, that does sound complicated. Um, one did not have skin. Uh, but but they, they, You're they, susceptible they to essentially disease. just look like giant. Like babies, almost like they look like they have down, like their heads are cocked to the side. They're often just like glazed over eyes, and they're just walking around. But they eat people, and so there's a, there's a very disturbing element of the show where you see essentially these giant humans eating small humans, and it's and so that that imagery is 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 jarring at first. I'm like, oh, just like they become the most menacing things you could possibly think of. They do a really really good job at making you terrified of these things. I mean, they are horrifying and scary and at first you're like oh this is a stupid like it's not a dinosaur or a mon oh my gosh that, that guy is awesome. eating another guy <laughs> and so they're all different sizes and they do and the great the, the thing that i think the show oh man it does so many things so well it's hard to pick a specific one it's obviously got fun action if you're an action person there's some really cool fights and just the way that they go about trying to combat these titans is really interesting they fight with what they call odm gear which where they kind of they kind of jettison around using cables, um, like kind of like Batman, and they've got these swords, and they they don't know much about these titans, but they know that if you slash the back of their necks, that they'll die. Anything else, they'll just regenerate. They can regenerate arms, heads, face, whatever. And so they they kind of shoot around on these cords until they can get behind them and slash their their necks. And so the action is obviously cool. Um, I would say the top two things it does though is one, it builds intrigue. I mean, you watch the show and instantly you're like, oh, like. I want to watch the next episode because that was mysterious. Oh, we've got, and you're finding out more about the society and how it functions and how each wall has a small section that kind of protrudes out where to try to funnel the Titans to that section to where if there ever is a breach, you know, they'll go after that section. But the, the kind of um, politics behind who we put in those sections and how it's kind of oppressive to certain people. And you're meeting a bunch of people that are going into the Scout Corps. The Scout Corps is, is the part of the military that goes outside the wall and tries to claim new land. And there's different sections of the military, some that stay inside the walls, some that, that ride on top of the walls. And so the Scout Regiment is like, they die all the time. But, but it's about, it follows this one specific kid who's just really zealous to try to kill, like he's very hungry to, to fight Titans, but he's not very good at fighting. He, like, he's, he's learning all of this stuff from like, like he's, he's failing at everything and all of his friends 
are you know, it, you know they're teaching him and stuff but but the world build, building and intrigue keeps you watching every episode and it stays very on like it's it's got enough that you can understand and build on and so and, but they but also enough that if you rewatch it you get more out of it and i think that's the bet like if you're gonna do intrigue it's it's like the Christopher Nolan rule, like like modern Christopher Nolan, way too far. Like I mean, you can't enjoy that movie until you've watched it four times, and then you're like, oh, now it's awesome, and you're like, well, you shouldn't have made a movie that you can understand four times. Um, but then you also want to go in the other direction where everything is so on the nose that you're like, well, this isn't. I'm not really getting anything out of this. Like he's the bad guy because he said he's the bad. You know. So I think it rides that line perfectly of giving you enough intrigue, making you want to watch the next episode, while still giving you uh, enough to enjoy what you're currently watching. But the last thing and probably my favorite part about it is that it develops so many characters like i mean it seems like every character in the show has purpose and that's what i've never seen a show do that before where you you introduce a new a new person that you don't know and the show takes time to like make that person a real person Mm -hmm. and they and i can't even tell you honestly as somebody who prides himself in actually having to write people's stories like for a living mm-hmm. and it enjoys that as the best element of movie watching and of tv watching is 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 character building like telling a story of a character i can't even tell you how they do it so well like yeah. it, it's just it's, they, they in, they're introduced these characters that i mean like spoiler alert, like tons of people die in the show for a show that that introduces and develops almost every character that comes into view um, um in an amazing way there are probably like five or si- or four safe characters <laughs> like right. so you'll be like oh my gosh this was amazing like they've been really developing this guy for two episodes oh his like he just got bitten in half like he's dead now <laughs> and and so my at God. first you're like oh why did this show randomly make a mistake and develop this character and say oh no we need him to die but then you start to realize no like the show is trying to put you in the feet of all of these soldiers so like, the whole point is that more so than what's happening, which is kind of fantastical. Yeah, there's these giant zombie things eating everybody. More so what the show is about is how these people are handling it. And most of them are freaking out. Most every single one of them, even the toughest ones, they'll come to a breaking point where they're like almost shivering in fear and they're, they're, tr- they're explaining how they feel and why they feel those ways and they're sad. And what the show is really trying to do is get you to join them. Like, and it's doing that desperately by introducing characters and saying, all right, this isn't going to be some guy you watch get eaten and killed. This is going to be somebody that you learn about their family, learn about their fears, learn about why they're here, learning about their cause. You watch them get betrayed and then eaten or something, and you're you're just destroyed, and you can feel like that character feels in the show. And it's not, in my opinion, there's a, there's a healthy balance to where you're not just totally distraught the whole time. Because I have watched shows where I'm like, you're doing a really good job, and I don't want to watch this because I'm just <laughs> sad. It really isn't. I mean, there's, there's enough victory in the show and redemption that it really keeps you coming back, but... Man, as far as character development of people, that it just—it's so seamless. I can't even see it happening sometimes, and I'm like, oh, I've fallen in love with this character, and like, I don't know where that came from. So, if you're somebody who can, again, it's finally back to the UFC thing. If you can get past the brutality, because there are definitely sometimes that it is a scary show um, and a little disturbing. It's such an amazing show. I mean, it it is—I can't like on every level that I watch it. And again, I, I had finished seasons one, one, two, one through three. And, and in reality, each season's like two seasons because they call them like, oh, this is the half season point. And it's essentially it's like two seasons. So essentially one through six and then the four is the last season and they came up with the first half of four, which is essentially an entire season. And I just recently, so I'd watched all six, you know, originally a while ago and really loved it. But then reinvigorated my love for it after watching this last uh, half season where I was like, oh my goodness, it's still just, they're still putting out episodes that are just, amazing so 
sorry to rant a lot about it, but that that is I'm so hyped on that show, yeah. man. I could I could yeah. I could talk about that show forever. I've heard very good things, and yeah. it's I I have a pretty had, long anime watch list that I haven't gotten to in a while, so I think that's definitely on it. So many people recommend it. Yeah, same. That aren't great. <laughs> right. right. Um. So it's, that that was definitely on my watch list. Um. Cool. So it, it's funny because um you, you mentioned that they build he builds out the characters really well. Mm-hmm. I found that the really 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 good manga do an excellent job of world building and of building secondary characters yep. that I care about yeah. and I think the probably the best person at this which and this is so funny because the manga is, is exceptional and the anime is nigh unwatchable mm-hmm. because in the anime they do flashbacks they they, they pad it like nobody they pad it like it's fragile shipping international it's ridiculous it's they'll do flashbacks to something that happened within the same episode and you're like that happened five minutes ago why are you showing it it just happened and they play the whole thing and they're like ah! dog jumps on the bed and the and, guy turns and, he's like hey yeah. you remember when the dog jumped on the bed that's 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 just happened. Happened. and that's one piece ah. and one piece yeah. is so brilliant because he's like hey here's this thing that gives you superpowers right but it makes you unable to swim. And everyone's a pirate. And it's like the most brilliant way of balancing everything. <laughs> it's like the most brilliant way of balancing everything. Like, hey, you can have superpowers, but then you're screwed if you fall off your boat. Or you can have not superpowers and be slightly less, uh, and be disadvantaged in a fight. Unless you can knock the other guy off the boat. Yeah. It's brilliant. And every single person has different powers and different backstories. And it's so unique and interlocked. And there's redemption arcs. And people die. And it's touching. And it's so brilliantly done. And... Dude, it's like in a thousand chapters, and you're like, he's not even close to the end. He's not. He's not. It's like George R. R. Martin. You're like, this man is gonna die before he finishes it. And everyone's gonna gonna suffer and weep tears of blood because mm-hmm. no one can do what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One Piece, the manga, brilliant. One Piece, the anime, really obnoxious to watch because it, it's just like, Argh! even though it's still, it's still great. I mean, it's still great. If you can get past the flashback within the same episode of something that happened five minutes earlier because the characters it luffy is one of my favorite types of characters is that he's earnest he makes mistakes but he always tries to do the right thing even if he, he even if he screws up and gets the, the snot kicked out of him mm-hmm. he gets back up and he tries harder and he's so lovable and he's so dumb too he's he's a, such a great character um yeah awesome. but yeah i feel that same way like how did you develop all these secondary characters? Like, I know all of their names. I know what they're about. They were in, like, one chapter, and I still know who they are. It's brilliant. So, yeah. Not to piggyback off of Greg, but One Piece. One Piece. All right, okay. actually. All right, all right. So, um, so this is going to be my last one. Yeah, and I, it's got, gonna, I got one more. Yeah, and it's going to be a, a dual uh, recommendation. Uh, not a Yu-Gi-Oh! duel, but... I've been watching it in Spanish. It's, it's great. <laughs> so, um... A couple months ago, I picked up a copy of Alien Number One. It's put out the by comic? the comic. Ooh. It's put out by Marvel. Uh, Marvel, written, written by uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, and uh, so it's a. It takes place like a hundred, two hundred years after the events of Alien, the film. Um, Wait, so two hundred years? I believe so. Yes, hundred, two hundred years. I don't remember exactly. Um, so Ripley's still around, right? Uh, <laughs> At this point, like, maybe not. Little aliens. <laughs> maybe not. Um, but anyway, so uh, so uh, I'm just going to read you a little little blurb uh, because this is this is really cool. Uh, the iconic cinematic terror take, makes its Marvel debut. Gabriel Cruz g- gave his life to Wayland Yutani. In the case of an alien attack, he barely survived, almost literally. 
<laughs> recently retired, Cruz is trying to patch things up with his abandoned son with the help of his friend, a bishop model android. But his re-entry into civilian life is not going smoothly, and his encounters with the deadly xenomorph are far from over. Philip Kennedy Johnson and Salvador La Roca team up to tell an all-new tale of the titan of horror and science fiction that has scared audiences for decades. No one is safe, no one is innocent, and no one can hear you scream. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh sorry, scream. Yeah. So anyway, um, so anyway, the first issue uh, released on March twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. Oh, so this is new, new. This is new, new. Just came out this year, just like like oh, two wow. months ago. Yeah. So I I picked up the first issue. I didn't get a chance to read it until like Monday of this week. <laughs> um, my goodness, this thing is fantastic. I'm gonna like go to the comic book shop tomorrow, pick up the the. I, I think issue, at least issue two is out. Maybe issue three might be out soon, if not already. Um, and I'm gonna sign up for a subscription at my local comic book store because I am really impressed with like the kinds of storytelling they're doing, the ideas they're exploring within the Alien franchise, and you know, and just creating like this interesting um story that is not you know of course it's related to the xenomorphs that's the only thing that's carrying over from the uh the film franchise but uh anyway i'm really impressed with the storytelling i was a little disappointed when i picked it up i was like oh there's no ripley in this book you know and i'm like disappointed because i love ripley but uh it's a really great story definitely would recommend and in tandem with that uh support your local comic book shop like i'm going to do i'm going to get a subscription uh for this book because i just think it's fantastic so uh, would recommend Alien Number One, uh, released in March, put out by Marvel, uh, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson. Dude, I, I just recently I was telling Nathaniel rewatched uh, Alien Two and I rewatched Alien Three after that. Yeah, Aliens God, and yeah. then Alien. Those three yeah. movies are, in my opinion, the fourth one is a little wonky. It's a little weird <laughs> because I hate three. You hate three? The three is terrible. Okay, but you know why? They kill Newt. She turned me into a thing. Yeah, but, like, that, but like you have so much potential, and then you go and blow it all to hell. That is kind of <laughs> in theme to virtually every Alien movie. Is like here's Ripley and a bunch of people. Everything matters. The next movie is just Ripley with a whole bunch of other people. And, like, <laughs> they're all gonna really matter, and then they're all gonna die. And the next movie is just gonna be. So it kind of stays on theme. I mean, I agree. Even even the the sergeant guy that she was with is an interesting yes, character. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, you, you, you kind of wish you know both of them would have stick, stuck around because again, I mean, in, re, in the movie maker part of me says yes, develop more characters and do a better job. Yeah. But all, like the, the side of me that really appreciates the alien movies mm-hmm. um, and also Ripley's character development over all those movies is great. Um, mm-hmm. She's just an awesome character. Period. Yeah, she's I think great. she's one of the most consistent characters. I think when I watch movies that I'm like. She's she just she acts like the character should act the whole time. There's there's none of those red flags where you're like, well, the character wouldn't actually do this, and like you can tell it's the writer, and like it really draws you out of the story to be like, okay, this is jarring because like mm-hmm. this person, she acts how you'd imagine Ripley would act pretty much in every scene. They do a really good job of keeping her consistent. Yeah, um, I, that's something I was really thinking in in the second one. In my defense, I've watched halfway through the third one, and then I came here to this podcast, so I haven't okay. finished the third one yet. I, right. I've seen I've seen all of them a long time ago. But this is me rewatching. Um, I obviously watched the second. And was like, oh my gosh, this is mm-hmm. amazing. I, I had watched the se- the first one not not too long ago, and of course, I mean the first one is, is legendary. So, yeah. man, after I watched the second one, mm-hmm. and I was like, this one's really it's kind of just as good. I mean, I I like it. Just it's up there with the first for me. And I, they, I was they're different watch... genres, and so I, oh, yeah, I think totally about different them differently. Uh, but I I enjoy both very much. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Aliens is my favorite movie of all time. But yeah, yeah, Aliens oh, yeah. is is fantastic as well. Yeah, anyways, but yeah, so I thought it was interesting you mentioned that, and I was just on a, kind of an alien high recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, I'm rocking and, my new and uh, Alien t-shirt Although I haven't today. played it yet, and I really intend to. Um, Alien Isolation I, apparently is just phenomenal. That is the only game. like modern game I am interested in playing it's, at all. It's a video game? Yes, uh, video game, horror game. You play as Ripley's daughter. You play as Ripley's daughter who's like investigating, and then they, an alien shows up, mm-hmm. and you gotta like run away from it. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's incredibly good. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and like, and that kind of ties into the alien lore anyway, because yeah. there's some like deleted scenes where you find yep. out like why yep. Ripley went on the Nostromo voyage in the first place, and it was because yep. she hurt, she was mourning the death of her daughter. Yep. Mm. Um, yeah. So my, my last one, I got uh, two TV shows to talk about, and I'm going to keep it brief. Go for it. Um, one, I've talked about a lot on here, uh, animated show, uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold. It's super good. It's super fun. It's super wacky. It's super out there. It is a love letter to both Batman and just all of DC in the best possible way. It just celebrates the weirdness that of DC, the weirdness of Batman. It, it, it really is, it really feels like the... 1960s Adam West Batman reincarnated as a show that understands that it's the 1960s Adam West Batman. <laughs> it's so good. It's got these great cold opens that have nothing to do with the episode, but that have the, their own continuity. He teams up with Aquaman's like a goofball bad dad who's always like with his family, but always just to, to skip family duties to, to play with Batman, play hero with Batman. And it's just, it's so good. And, yeah, I, I just highly recommend it. It'll introduce you to a lot of stuff in the DC universe that you probably wouldn't see otherwise. Like, Buona Beast. Like, who's <laughs> heard of Buona Beast? But he's in multiple episodes, and he's, he's <laughs> awesome. And then they have a whole thing where there's, like, Batmite, who's, like, this 11th-dimensional being, right. who's the biggest Batman fan, and they bring him in, and, like, when, he, when they cancel it, it's, like, the last episode is, like, Batmite canceling Batman the Brave and the Bold. It's it's so good. It's like five, four, there's three or five, I think it's five seasons, and they're all just a treat. They're very snackable. Like, there's not really any continuity, so you just watch one episode, enjoy it. Highly recommend and it. And the one episode I've seen is the musical episode. Yeah, and it's and wonderful. the musical episode is amazing. It's yeah. wonderful. And speaking of, good segue, speaking of musicals, um, you know, there are a lot of, like, musical TV shows. Like, okay, so a lot of shows have musical one-offs. Right. Like, The Flash, for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that happened. The Flash. Really? The yeah. CW Flash had a musical episode. Goodness um, gracious. Yeah, this, this sort of thing happens. Scrubs had a musical episode, which, incidentally, is, I think, my favorite episode of Scrubs ever, <laughs> where a woman comes in, and she's got, like, a brain injury, and it makes her perceive everything as a musical. That's it, fantastic. It's, it's so good. It's so good. It's a really, um, it's a really good episode. Including one of the best songs of all time, Guy Love. So good. Um, but, you know, most of the musical shows are like Glee and High School Musical where it's, you know... It's literally... High School College high and it's about... Doing it's, a musical. Yeah, it's about people who would do music naturally. And, and we've kind of lost a little bit of the, of, the, of the show that just has musicals but isn't about music. <laughs> the show that I'm coming, keep coming back to that I just loved and was canceled after two seasons is Gallivant. It was 2015, really? 2016, and it was so stinking good. It had no right to be canceled. Now, tell me if you've heard of any... So the only two people I recognize are Timothy Odmanson, who plays the, the evil king, and Vinnie Jones as, I, as like his, his, his muscle. I don't think I know who mm. either of those guys are. Timothy Odmanson plays Lasseter on Psych. I haven't seen Psych. Oh, shame on you. I know. And Vinnie Jones plays the bullet tooth Tony in, in Snatch. I haven't seen Snatch. Oh my gosh, you'll love that. It's such a good movie. Oh, oh yeah, Snatch gosh. Snatch is so good. Um, anyways. Oh, okay. So I know who Timothy Amundsen is because I've seen, I, I recognize his IMDb profile picture. Yeah. Yes, I've seen him in things uh, before. But yeah, but there's no, also uh, Joshua Sass, Mallory Jansen, Karen David, uh, who's gorgeous and plays uh, Princess Isabella. She's, I, I believe, Indian, uh, uh, Indian American. Um, or she's born in India and, and she's multi-ethnic, definitely mostly Indian, but she's 
She's uh, fantastic as Princess Elsa. You didn't tell me Lee Jordan was in this. Yeah, Luke Youngblood, yep, Ben Presley, Darren Jordan. Evans, Stanley Townsend, Genevieve Allenberry, Sophie McShare. Like, great cast. But it's just, Rutger Hauer was Rutger, in this? Rutger Hauer was in what? three episodes. Yep. I, it's okay, so <laughs> much fun. And it's it's hilarious because the, the, the start of the second season, their opening number for the second season is... How did we not get canceled? <laughs> but, but I'm just going to play the theme song so you can get kind of a feel of... Uh... Way back in days of old, there was a legend told about a hero known as Galavant. Square jaw and perfect hair. Oh, he's out there. <laughs> there was no hero quite like Galavant. Tough. Plus every other manly value. Less than him, he'll disempower you. Yay! Throw <laughs> you everywhere. A fairy tale cliche. And it's like every every episode the opening theme song would talk about what's going to happen in the episode or what happened last episode and it turns out like the jester on the show is the one who's singing the opening song and it's just it's so good because Timothy Robinson starts out as like this generic just evil king just like killing everyone who gets in his way but then he turns into like a put upon every man because the queen is just like harassing haranguing him all day to be more evil mm. he's just like ugh it's it's so brilliant yeah it's it's I can't describe it because again, it's a musical, so it's all about the it's all about the numbers, and the numbers are really good and really yeah. memorable, and it's it's got brilliant comedic timing. It's just it's fantastic. It deserves more than two seasons, and you need to go watch it. The only problem is you literally can't find it anywhere. It's not streaming anywhere. You can like purchase it on Amazon Video. You can if you're like me and still have a subscription to Netflix with DVDs. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I definitely I I, I will say this in the most. Uh, Legally ambiguous way, I acquired it, so I'm going. I'm, I'm intending to rewatch it uh, soon. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I acquired it for no money, <laughs> and I'm planning to rewatch it soon. You dubious man. Me dubious man. Uh, hey, look, I'm paying for 19 different subscription services. If I can't find it on one of those, that's on you, not on me. Like I'm, I'm paying my money. I'm paying my money. But yeah, so that's the last thing I have. It's, it's just Gallivant. Go watch it. It's so good. I like, didn't realize it was a musical. Yes. I'd like to recommend Blood Machines. <laughs> oh, God, no! What a terror. Okay. I, I don't If you want to watch a movie that will make you question it's, whether, it's, whether it's, movies have it's, any it's, creative so value it's, to it's, add it's to It's a culture. TV show, and everything, a movie that they split everything about this just screams, is this fake? <laughs> yeah. Like, the episodes will be 37 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Or any other and number you could think of. them were credits. And and no, literally like 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 twenty four minutes of the episode will be credits, and you'll watch like thirteen minutes. And you're like, wait, is this? Are you serious? And then you'll just start scrolling through. And you're like, it what? Is, so this bad. has got to be a joke. Okay, let let let's let me tell you some things that happened in Blood Machines. Okay, there's a lot of nudity. There's a lot, a lot of nudity. awkward nudity. It's not like sex nudity. It's not like people having. It's it's no. more like she's she's a planet. And yeah, you're like, yeah. Uh, here are things she's that, a naked here woman. Are things that happen in Blood Machine. No, she's a planet. Um, Die gets uh, aroused by a woman stroking his gun, like actual, like physical the oh, gun. I forgot about that part. And then she shoots him in half. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, women turn into a planet. 
Yeah. Like giant women flies through giant naked women it's a flies bunch through of space. Small naked women that form together to make yeah. a giant yeah. naked no. woman and she giant women the planet. flies through space like it's the freaking uh like it's the freaking wishing like Jack Jack Sparrow's compass. I think like, y'all ate some shrooms and made with this a up. giant butt <laughs> with a giant obscenely large butt in the in, in, in a oh, yeah. shot that makes zero sense. The butt like, looks like a separate planet it's like behind a separate her. Planet You're like, oh, there's a planet. You're like, oh well, that's no, that's butt. the butt. That's the butt. Yeah, it, uh, it was it was multiple naked so women coalesced to form a giant Voltron naked woman. I, I, there is a different <laughs> naked woman inside, like manipulating the the thing by controlling it by pushing and pulling these other naked women, who, by the way, have a weird glowing upside down cross covering their genitalia. So someone had to go in and edit that. Um, and you're like, okay, <laughs> I said this. Who was the taint wrangler? Who got that <laughs> credit job? Who had to go cover up all that and you know, like airbrush all now that? Now you're explaining it, it really it does like, make us sound like crazy. It people. sounds like something we weird. I would say, okay, let me, it yeah. sounds let like y'all ate some shrooms and made let this me up. <laughs> actually exists. Yeah. Why let did we watch this? Let me explain real quick. We were catfish. Let me explain for two seconds. So there is a DJ artist whose name escapes me. He makes DJ there, Catfish. There's there's a specific song he makes called uh, I think it's called uh, Turbo Racer. Very Turbo very, Racer. very cool Turbo song. Racer. I mean, it, it's very but so he uses sounds from from old like old arcade video game sounds. Oh. So it's like doo 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 doo. Like it, 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 his music cool. sounds like you're stepping into an arcade from like the early '90s. Like it's very cool. Like you listen to it and it's it's it, it, it gets you pumped. Like you ready to go play ski like ski ball like whatever. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but there's specifically, there's that one, there's one most popular song, Turbo Racer, and there's this, there's this kind of famous, uh, I guess he's a music video artist, and he makes a music video to it. It's very retro, there's people in it, but you can tell pretty much everything's on a green screen, tons of colors, it looks very Sin City-esque, and it's very cool. I mean, you watch this and you're like, that was, that's pretty dope. Like, that is a cool music video, very, like, like, catchy music, and from that, that, the musician... And the the artist that made the music soundtrack, uh, the, the the music video, said, "Hey, we want to make a TV series, a, a sci-fi TV series." And the the producer said, "Hey, I want to make a TV series." And this artist, the guy who who, who did the music, who created Turbo Racer, is going to do the soundtrack for the whole entire series. And so you're kind of like, all right, well, that's interesting enough. And so they, they go and do this, essentially, it's like a Kickstarter-esque thing, and they get so much funding to where they don't even make a pilot. They make what they claim to be like, oh, like like a half season. It's it's what was it, five episodes? It was three episodes. Three episodes. episodes. Again, 40 minutes and 15 minutes of each episode was... Uh... Yeah, I mean, each it was like episode one, like 41 minutes. Episode two, 27 minutes. Episode three, 31 minutes. So you're like, oh, this is kind of bizarre. And then each one of them had a different amount of credit time, all ranging between like 22 minutes and 15 minutes. And so... It, it, and I mean, it was just it, like like what Nathaniel was explaining is one hundred percent it. And if you think there's context to that, barely any context. And if there was, you couldn't hear it because the sound editing. Do you remember how bad the sound editing was? It just like everybody was talking and you couldn't hear a word because there was loud bass okay. in the background. Yeah. Like, and we were like, what is that? It was the noise of the ship engine. Yeah, like and the, 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 the off, rumbling like, oh, of the ship engine. You couldn't hear any. So it was just a really bad. I mean, it was awkward. It was it was kind of dark. It felt weird. I felt like I needed to, to take a shower after that. Anyway, sorry. We, we were at the end and then we, we got sidetracked, but 
It was um, terrible. Yeah. Th- this is the this, anti-retinol. This is, this is yeah. not recommend. Do not waste yeah, that's the any anti-retinol. Uh, like don't watch Blood and Jeans. I'm, I'm looking at, at pictures on IMDb. And well, I'm like, it'll catfish you. It looks yeah. very intriguing. I like, like it, visually, this is incredibly oh, yes, stunning. Yeah, oh, yep. It, it and looks like, creepy and weird. Yeah. And then like then I see like, oh, here, here are all the naked women in a to, pile that you were talking about. <laughs> Ew, no thank you. To borrow a phrase from Jesus... It's a whitewashed tomb. It looks nice on the outside, but it's full of dead men's bones. And in this case, a bunch of weird naked women. Uh, it's a hundo, no, hundo, hundo be a catfish. Like, yeah. you're like, oh, like, I'll go on a date with you. Oh. You're a 50 year old creepy man. Anyways, that's our Reco podcast. Yep. Uh, those are the things we recommend. So, hey, you know, hit us up. Let us know what you recommend we watch um, or listen to or whatever. Um, and hey, let us know if we help you find something that uh, yeah. that you like now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you uh, check out any of our recos, uh, yeah. let us know. It'd be cool. Yeah. So hit, you can hit us up. You can send us the email dearlydebated at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter uh, at dearlydebated. You can find me at Holy Golem, and you can find uh, our Greg and my uh, YouTube channel, uh, Kitchen Chemist. Which now we have a bit lie bit dot lie slash the Kitchen Chemist. Ooh, much yeah. easier to, much cool. easier to type out so check us out we got hot new content coming. Oh, although yeah. by the time this podcast goes up that hot new content will be cold new content <laughs> we'll, we'll be rolling live. but if you ain't watched it before it's all hot new content it's all hot new content hey. oh yeah um, you can find me uh, email me greg at chapter1films.biz uh, you can check me out on facebook at chapter1films um, you can find me on instagram chapter underscore one that's o-n-e underscore films all right you can uh, uh visit my blog nerdyblogging.wordpress.com you can uh hit me up on the tweets uh at the nerdy blogger you can like my facebook business page facebook.com slash the nerdy blogger uh you can also read my work on fangirlish.com um you can read my work on popcultureretrorobin.com you can also hear my voice on the pop culture retrorama podcast and now you can hear my words being read by people with much cooler voices than me on uh, sci-fi five every so often all right so until next time godspeed spider-man okay. <laughs> bye, bye. bye.
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.